Hi, this is your host, Nisa Harris, and you are listening to Shomea Veona Tehillim and Other Hebrew Text Podcast, episode 145. I'm sneaking in a special Other Hebrew Text episode. The following is the recitation of the Moda Ani, followed by a class I gave this past week on feeling into forgiveness that I feel is important to be heard before the upcoming high holiday of Yom Kippur. Special thanks to Chabad Rebbitzin Rivki Block for asking me to prep this class special. Modeh Ani Lefanacha Melech Chai Vekayam Shehechezarta Vi Nishmati Bechemla Rabba just a quick word on Moda'ani before putting in the recording of the class I gave on forgiveness this past week. Um, I chose Moda'ani not only because it's the shortest possible text I could post with my almost hour-long class after. Uh, I feel that this is the perfect bookend to the previous other text episode 140, dealing with the prayers before bed because it's the way that Hashem sh- has shown that he answered those prayers, that not only is he renewing your day as you requested, but that he is putting his trust in you that you can accomplish the tasks that you are seeking to in the coming days with the renewed introspection and insight that you have practiced the night before. Waking up in the morning is a reminder that you were entrusted by Hashem with another day to aim to accomplish what you are meant to in this world. And then we get to express our gratitude. Moda Ani, I am thankful for being heard and for being given the chance to affect positive change in the world. This cycle helps us to maintain and grow a feeling of closeness and connection that we strive for. Also, Now it helps us to envision what we pray the outcome of our upcoming Yom Kippur davening will be as well. That Hashem will grant us another year of days that we wake up and can make an impact as we pray now that he seals us in the book of life. And so the learning for this should be for a continued refuah shalema for my father, Harav Shmuel Chaim Halevi Ben Esther, and for all people who need out during this auspicious time. Um, and so uh, as I've been learning to Helen, first of all, Rifki Block, Representative Rifki Block of Chabad of Plano, she gave a, like a nice introduction when we did it and explained like the, um, the power that uh, to Helen does have and uh, it reaches spheres that we're, we don't even know and that kind of thing. Um, from, from my perspective, the perspective that I've learned is that um, Tehillim does serve as like an emotional window to the human soul and um, where the authors of these Mizmorim, they open their minds and their hearts and the experiences that they've had and they share them timelessly in a way that the reader can uh, or listener can carve out their own connection and um, understanding to the words. And Rabbi Nachman points out that that's exactly the goal, to, to see yourself and your situation in the words of Tehillim. 
um, and see how it applies to you and gain insight from it uh, into your situation. And you can grow and become closer to Hashem with this renewed sense of understanding. Um, also, when reading the Tehillim, we are given permission to have all of the normal human feelings. And I think that's a really critical point. Um, and we see that even with all those dark feelings or whatever, it's still possible to become closer to Hashem. And so in line with that uh, perspective, which was really refreshing for me because I never did feel a connection to Tehillim growing up. And when I started this whole podcast journey, um, I was able to, to start to learn that, that that was something really unique. Um, I want to help us get in touch with our feelings today <laughs> and help us prepare for this auspicious day of Yom Kippur that's ahead of us. And so I'm going to ask the question to you all, how do you feel about the fact that we are going into a holiday that is associated with Hashem judging us or um, perhaps he'll determine whether or not he's going to forgive us or not. Pressure. Pressure. Mm-hmm. Intimidating. Intimidating. Okay. I was going to say, um, <clears throat> speaking of Chabad, when I was in college, I went to the Chabad house a lot, and the rabbi after Yom Kippur would say, you know, you fasted, you're like totally forgiven, no worries, your slate is wiped clean. So that's actually a very good feeling, and it's like, okay, I know what I need to do that day, and I know that at the end of the day, Hashem is kind and forgiving, and my slate will be wiped clean. Okay, perfect. So hold on to that thought for a minute. Great. So we have pressured, we have intimidated, some people feel scared, uh, some people are grateful for the opportunity, uh, some people feel humbled or disconnected, numb, going through the motions, confused, what is this all about? honored, worried, uh, a lack of control, questioning your own worth, um, calm and collected, like I got this, uh, all of the above, none of the above. Um, and so what does it mean to you that Hashem may or may not forgive you if you have not gotten to the point that Mindy pointed out? Yeah, it's deep. It's deep. Okay, right. So our our life is in his hands. I really hope he trusts that I have improved and that he forgives me. Like I can't really wrap my head around it. Right. He's kind of capable of making my life really easy or really hard. So I really hope he forgives me. Um, maybe the feeling is a lack of control. Um, that is just overwhelming in, in association with the whole process. Um, maybe it means that you're looking for things that you have done wrong and then you're anxious when you can't find them and because it's like, well, how can I improve what I don't even know that I did wrong? And it just like creates an even weirder cycle. Like we make ourselves crazy, right? And maybe some of you are looking really forward to somehow unburdening yourself from this weight of your sins. 
and see this as an opportunity to do that. Um, maybe you just want to continue being in a good relationship with him and that's, this is your opportunity to do that. And so you hope he forgives you. There are so many ways that people associate with this concept of forgiveness. And you, you're, there was a, a woman at um, Chabad who, who said, the question, the answer is in the question. And, and I said, yeah, and I kind of just asked you a leading question, right? I, I gave you the assumption that he won't forgive you. I personally believe that he will forgive you. So what if we change the question? What if we recognize that it's really unique to your upbringing and how you currently view your relationship with Hashem? And it's important to understand that none of these feelings are right or wrong. What's important is to start to understand how these perspectives are serving you. And so the question then becomes, are they helping you feel healthy and connected? And in a relationship with Hashem and your religion, in a way that you are fulfilled in? And if not, how can you get there? What, what shifts can you learn how to make? Is it a preconceived notion that um, causes unhealthy feelings to come up or the need to clarify your current philosophy? And if you're already feeling fulfilled, how can you learn how to maintain that healthy space? So sometimes simply starting from the basics uh, helps us to see where we got misaligned and how to start feeling in ways, how we started to feel in ways that we would rather not associate with Hashem and Judaism. So let's start uh, for our purposes today to define what is forgiveness, source one. If you do a quick Google search, even they know that <laughs> biblical forgiveness is God's promise not to count our sins against us and requires repentance on our part, and hold that thought for later. In general, forgiveness is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. And I think that last point is really important because we tend to think that we need to wait until someone comes over to us to ask for forgiveness and then we can decide whether or not we're going to forgive them. But this line starts to point out that the, there's a concept of even if someone doesn't actually deserve to be forgiven, there's an opportunity for forgiveness to occur. And I want to delve into that further, but first let's just appreciate the time period that we are in currently. We are currently in what's called um, source number two, the Aseret Yimei Shuva, the 10 days of repentance that starts from Rosh Hashanah and goes through Yom Kippur. And it says in Mishnah Yoma 8-9, if you have sinned against your brother, go first and appease him. Otherwise, the day of atonement cannot absolve you. That is why you hear of the, the Jewish custom to ask for mechila or forgiveness from others uh, three times in three different 
spaces, uh, especially before Yom Kippur. And it doesn't always come out so sincere. I don't know how many of you experienced that, um, that high school um, experience where people come and they say, do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? Do you forgive me? And, and then it's, they're kind of just doing it out of a fear of punishment from Hashem with this buzz of angst and fear of the repercussions and um, what, the, what the repercussions will be if they don't get that all clear from their friend, for, like acquiescence after lots of nudging. Um, and other per- people are sometimes like, of course I forgive you. <laughs> and you, like, you never actually did anything to me. I can't like think of anything that you might have done, but, um, but okay, fine. You know, I, I totally forgive you. Or, or some people say, fine, I forgive you because they just want you to like stop asking them, but they didn't even process what you actually did wrong or if they actually learned how to let go of what you did to them, right? Did they actually forgive you or just was it just words? Um, also, this makes it seem like, well, if I tried to appease them and they didn't forgive me, that's it. I'm doomed. Hashem is not going to forgive me on Yom Kippur because, like, I know I won't get, I won't get absolved. I didn't, I didn't do it. But there are so many parts and pieces to forgiveness that we need to explore to better understand so that we can better know where we stand when we stand before Hashem on Yom Kippur. I don't know that I can cover every aspect today, but um, let's start by addressing this fear factor. Uh, if you are in this phase of relationship with Hashem, uh, uh, and I say phase because the relationship with Hashem is fluid. It, it can form over time as you gain more insight, also depending on the perspective that you're having at that current point in your life, right? And so that's important to, to recognize because there is room for improvement, <laughs> Um, and so if, uh, you also, or fear asking your friend for forgiveness, how do we deal with all that? Okay. So let's say, um, the fear is coming from feelings of worthlessness. How could I ever be good enough that God will forgive me? He is God and I am man. And so it's taking on this feeling in source number three, I am like the dust of the earth and humbling yourself, perhaps to where you are lacking a healthy self-worth. And um, I would ask you to inquire of yourself if that's the space that you're in. Um, and because that goes back to that point of preconceived notions and how are my preconceived notions serving me and is this healthy? Where exactly is that coming from? And that's just something to keep in mind, and maybe we'll get a little bit more into that soon, okay? But you will find tons of psukim from the Tehillim throughout the Yom Kippur Machzor, the prayer book, that uh, remind us that because David HaMelech, or all the authors of Tehillim, was self-critical and able to ask these same questions, we are therefore worthy of asking for forgiveness as well. And you could see that in source number three. Feel free to look those up yourself. 
Okay. And what about confronting people that I have gotten into arguments with or I have wronged? How do I face the fear um, and not continue to avoid approaching them to ask for forgiveness? You might fear trudging up the past unnecessarily or making things worse or feel that what you have done is just unforgivable. One thought is that there's this really cute library book that we got for our girls called The Worry Less Book. And how it deals with um, how to deal with anxiety, etc. And in one of the pages, it illustrates how the best way to grow your comfort zone is by doing things that are uncomfortable. Because the more you do something, the more your mind and body get used to it. So the examples it gives um, is that the first time you speak up in class, if, if you don't like public speaking, your heart might be pounding and you might be shaking. Or uh, then, But then the fifth time, you are still tense, but you're starting to get some words out more fluidly. And by the 50th time, you're comfortable, you're not tense anymore, you're relaxed and confident and can talk with ease. And so there's a bedtime prayer said with Shema at night that helps you grow this comfort zone and forgiveness. And it's known as Hareini Mochel. I'm honestly still a little confused about who does and doesn't recite this Arizal's blessing and source number four. Um, I know Chabad does, and I believe the Sephardim do every night. I have. Uh, it's part of bedtime Shema. Oh, it's. So. I haven't seen it in every. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So it's in a sitter, if you open a sitter and you look under bedtime shema, that's the first thing. Okay. Perfect. And then, yeah. Okay. So Maybe the ones that I, I looked in confused me. I don't know. Yeah. I I would well, hope. Specifically bedtime shema. That's okay. Why it's not like your regular shema here because there are a few other parts of Tehillim in there. Okay. You have a bunch of different things. You don't necessarily say all of it. Thank you. I know. I, I my friend introduced it to me when I was in my twenties, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. So it's ever so since, beautiful. I've been saying it. So um, and you too can say it with episode 140. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so the concept is that you're saying um, you are forgiving anyone who might have wronged you or hurt you that day, even if you don't know about it, and you're asking that hopefully if somebody you hurt someone inadvertently or said or did something that they're forgiving and Hashem should just absolve that and it shouldn't be held against you. So it's kind of both sides. Yeah. I'm asking for forgiveness, but I'm also forgiving, like I want to go to sleep, not exactly. worrying about holding on to Exactly. Thank you. Rebbe Tzimzei Khan. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. I don't want to Please. anything, but in, in the process of asking for forgiveness, if there's, um, let's just say, a person who you want to ask, but not necessarily invite them into your life. Mm. Is there, like, could could a prayer like this suffice without actually directly so, communicating with the person? So tell me if I answer your question by the end of this year. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yes, very good question. So, um, so Harini Mochel, um, I want is is followed by some vidui, which you know is the Asham new that we that you might be familiar with on Yom Kippur, um, and I want to just give some background. 
The Arizal, aka Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, is known as the father, father of modern Kabbalah. Uh, after passing away at only 38, which hits home because that's how I am, um, how old I am, and in the 1500s. So many of his works are incorporated into our prayers. Most famously is the Lachadodi on Friday night. Um, which we recite to greet the Shabbos. And what speaks to me about this prayer most is that he established right before bed is that at the end of the day, we're being intentional to forgive anyone who has caused us pain in any way. And we are asking and hoping that we are forgiven as well. And then with the added portion of the Vidui, we, we really list out the things that we did wrong and need to improve on, ending our day uh, with a really important introspection on how we can be our best potential selves. So this prayer can help us every day to get into the practice of thinking through who I want to ask forgiveness from, perhaps thinking on how I would do it, helping me to get in touch with how I feel about that and facing those fears that are inhibiting me from reaching out to apologize. Um, starting to help me strategize and look at my fears in a fuller light. So that by the time these 10 days of repentance rolls around, you are a pro and can ask all your high school friends with sincerity if they forgive you. Um, maybe, or maybe there's other ways if you can. <laughs> Furthermore, number five, source number five, um, Roman, the, a Roman historian Tacitus wrote, it is a principle of human nature to hate those whom you have injured. And Joseph Jacobs, a contemporary historian, said the highest and most difficult of all moral lessons is to forgive those we have injured. So to take the time to um, contemplate who we have injured and stop giving the cold shoulder to them because of our own shame for stiffing them somehow, right? That's an interesting human nature thing that we tend to do. Dealing with those feelings is also a critical improvement that we would gain immensely from if we say had a nightly ritual like the one that I help you recite in that other text episode of my podcast, Shameless Plug, again. Okay, so 140. 140. <laughs> Someone's listening. Okay. So this brings up uh, a really important point that uh, I might not be aware that I am that I might be holding on to something against someone else for the shame that I did something to them and I am carrying around this emotional weight. Well, how do I know that I'm doing that? And how do I let go of that? First of all, intellectually understanding a couple of things is helpful. Namely, that forgiveness is for us and not for the other one involved. That, and that's what the definition earlier began to allude to. So even if they don't and or can't forgive us, or even if they don't even know that we are forgiving them, we can learn how to forgive ourselves and let go of the emotional burden we carry around because of that interaction. 
So that's helpful to know if someone asks you three times and, and you say no, 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 and they say no, 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 great, I can just forgive myself and be absolved in, no, in time for Yom Kippur, right? Easier said than done. Uh, Christians had this great idea that they could put all the weight of their sins on Yeshu, on aka Jesus, uh, his Yiddish name, and then they are absolved of sin. The reality, though, is Christian people still feel the weight of their sins if they haven't learned how to forgive themselves. Some opinions understand that it's for Hashem alone who absolves us of our sins, as it says in the famous Mimama Kim uh, from the Dex Mizmor um, that we say during this time of crisis, source number six. Um, we say, and we also say this on Yom Kippur. Um, Mizmor 130, Pasuk 4, Yours is the power to forgive. And while I don't disagree with these commentaries, I think we need to highlight the nuances here. When it comes to Hashem, forgiveness is on a different level. Remember our quick Google search definition? Uh, Biblical forgiveness requires repentance on our part. Why? Because with Hashem, forgiveness is about creating a sustaining relationship. It's about showing Hashem that you really want to be in a partnership with him. And that, yeah, we messed up, but we really are committed to being a part of bringing his values into this world. My husband and I had the honor of being a scholar in residence at a Jewish Federation Shabbaton a couple weeks ago to train future Jewish leaders. And there we talked about the importance of accountability, holding those that you lead accountable for the things that they do, right? Hashem is holding us accountable, right or wrong, and how recognizing that when you hold someone accountable, it reinforces the relationship itself because you're able to identify areas of strength, but also areas that are needing improvement. And the lay person is recommitting themselves to the common goals and values when they take stock of what has been going well and what needs to be improved. Only then can the business or program or relationship move forward in a positive and productive way. So asking for forgiveness is taking accountability. Yes, it's really healthy and important for you to get to a place where you can get forgive yourself. However, you remain disconnected and you can't move forward in other relationships if others that are in relationships with you have not forgiven you. And so sometimes others won't forgive you. And it's a relationship lost, like if you get fired or break up or you lose a friendship. You can find other ways of letting go, letting that relationship go and move forward around that hole, so to speak. Like you can find a new job, a partner, a friend. But the narrator of that same is more 130, Mi is praying and calling out to Hashem, pleading with him that despite all the ways that they have messed up, they 
desperately wished to maintain and have this close relationship to, with Hashem. He, he doesn't want to get fired, so to speak. So this helps us to better understand why the words that we repeat over and over on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, number seven, Utshuva, Utfila, and Utsidaka, help you n- not, not take away the bad decree, but lessen it, Ma'avirin et Roah Hagzera. If it's about the relationship, then anything you do to do, those are actions, anything you do to show that you are taking the steps to actively improve the person that you are, it shows Hashem that you mean what you say and your actions are speaking louder than words. So how does Hashem fit into this forgiveness picture, if I can just forgive myself, the isurin shel ahava, the hardships that we are given from Hashem out of love, mentioned in Gemara Brachot A, I didn't put that in, no, um, naturally will be diminished because if we learn the lessons first by doing teshuva and really introspecting and seeing where I can improve, etc., then Hashem can lessen the decree because we won't have to learn it the hard way. We already figured it out ourselves. So uh, there are going to be consequences that might still occur as a result of what we set into motions by our actions, but Hashem can minimize the harshness if you no longer have to be taught that lesson, right? So if my daughter doesn't do her homework, she'll learn that she's going to get a bad grade. And then if she repairs that and she starts doing her homework, then the teacher doesn't have to give her that same bad grade. Okay, but we're not kids, and the punitive system may feel kind of condescending or even unhealthy, buzzword again. So Mismor 24 helps us to get in the right mindset. And it's actually the last Mismor said at the end of the first Mariv of Yom Kippur, um, and many of the shiurim that I have learned from this, uh, this psalm focus on how the psalm uh, teaches us what is needed to reach the mountain of Hashem, to be with him at the end of days. At, namely, um, in source number eight, Niki kapayim ubar levav asher lo which they translate to mean one with clean hands or deed and pure heart who has not sworn in vain by my soul, nor has he taken an oath deceitfully. That's all, right? (laughs) So this sounds like a really tall order to expect from anyone to actually be able to accomplish. And while, of course, you should expect nothing less than honoring Hashem with perfection, when thinking of approaching the master of the world, is that really doable? Isn't the whole goal of this holy dwelling on earth to to enable Hashem to be able to relate to every single person, perfect or imperfect? So like, I have to be perfect in order to get to, you know, how do we fix that? So how do we understand that? So if we first understand the context that this was set in, that might help. David specifically made this Mizmor 24 for the first day that everyone would be able to come to meet Hashem 
at the new Beit HaMikdash. So what do you have to do when you're opening up a new building? My husband, Rabbi Mordechai Harris, pointed out that this is him basically giving the ground rules for how every single person should approach God, no matter where you currently stand with him. And this is how you should present yourself in a holy place. For the sake of time, you can listen to that more detail in my podcast. But in summary, the basic message being twofold. Uh, If you really want to approach God um, and have as Pasuk Zion in, in source number nine, describes the Avo Melech HaKavod, the King of Glory to come into and be part of your life, then you have to make sure that you prepare yourself physically, mentally, and socially to let him in. And I like to think of it that perhaps Usu Sha'arim Rashecham in Pasuk Tet is David imploring us to lift the gates that are blockages for us in our minds, the ones that prevent us from creating a deep relationship with Hashem. And then, if you do, you will open up the gate to the world, and you will have the potential to have the channel of closeness that you desire. So again, tuning into what is holding you back from creating that relationship with Hashem. It sounds beautiful. How do we do that? How do we unblock those gates in our minds that cause us to hold the weight of emotions, the ones that don't enable us to forgive others, maybe even Hashem or ourselves? The blockages that make us feel that we are not worthy or capable or the prideful moments that keep us convinced that we are obviously right and the other person is clearly wrong. And you will hold that grudge and or take revenge and have them feel your pain or forgive them, but only to teach them a lesson for how it's done, right? Not necessarily really being able to let go, but, and not really, not really being able to forgive them. There's something still there. There's still that emotional weight. Different situations and different relationships need different types of actions. But in order to know what a healthy reaction can be, learning how to first of all practice the pause before reacting and getting to know what we are actually feeling instead of reacting with our first impulse and responding because it's what we think we should be doing Starting to learn these nuances will help us to feel more whole and ready to uh, have that connective experience with ourselves, others, and Hashem. So how can we start to awaken ourselves to these blockages that we tend to be in denial and or totally disconnected and unaware of? Uh, Ms. Moore 131 teaches us the importance of intellectual humility, a space where you remember that some of the things we think could be wrong. We don't always uh, know the full picture, and it doesn't need to feel like a failure 
if we are wrong. It can feel like relief and enables us to let go of ideas that hold us back from growing in ways that helped us get as far as we have today. Uh, and more of that is in episode 144. But you can learn how to be actively curious about your blind spots. Uh, there, another important way to connect to ourselves is um, there's a saying in number, source number 10, it's not what we say, but how we say it. And how, how does the way that we say things, and not just the tone or the rhythm of our tone, but the body language that we are saying those things with, how can this help us shed light into how we are feeling about things in ways that we might not be cognizant of, right? If someone is asking us, do you forgive me? And we're like totally closed in and we're tense. And oh, you know, like there's, I don't want to say yes, because I should. Like what, what is my body telling me is going on? Like I'm carrying something there. What's, what's there, right? Or, or like, yes, I can totally, I'm totally confident that Hashem will forgive me. Like my body is loose. I'm expanded. I'm open. You know, there's, there's also, there's also feelings under there. Like what am I connecting to? Starting to be aware of that. There are so many feelings buried under the surface of our words that most people are not even aware of. And then there are feelings under the surface of those feelings that if we became acutely aware of, could help us to start to choose alternative actions and thoughts if we learn how to access them. In fact, when trauma occurs, and trauma can be anything that uh, has a persistent negative impact on your life, the left side of the brain kind of goes offline and the memories get stored in the amygdala, which is the fear center of your brain. So it causes your brain to then perceive uh, any similar thing that happened, that happens later, as a physical attack on you um, without you being aware. And so this can present like anxiety or aggression, depression, overall emotional dysregulation where you feel like you, you couldn't have controlled the outcome in that heated moment. Sometimes it's self-sabotage with this um, idea of... Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy where we push people away and then we're like see I knew they'd leave me but we don't even realize we're doing it and all we wanted underneath that aggression was to be heard or to be hugged or to be you know anything there's always there, there's sometimes a much softer more vulnerable emotion underneath the aggressive one and so that's that feeling under the feeling that um, is helpful to get in touch with. So um, I want to introduce you to how to better access those feelings, and it really would be a really quick introduction, and I'm going to do that at the end. Since I know that accessing this um, understanding can be key in creating shifts in how we forgive ourselves and others, um, so we'll, I'll aim to get back to that. Um, 
And it's a, it's a movement exercise, movement therapy that I was probably the biggest skeptic of and have seen firsthand how uh, life-changing it can be. And some of you might hear now that I am an evangelist about it. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, if that is too foreign for you uh, and you, you just totally can't connect to it, then um, any like journaling or any other creative right side of the brain activities um, best with the intention to uncover a you know un what's going on accompanied with drawing singing dancing those can be helpful to start to come to a better awareness of your emotions and what is underneath them and noticing how your body language changes when you visualize these things uh, can help to start to accept where you are and start to even see better potential versions of yourself that you could implement those body movements into your daily life and then start to become that better version of yourself. But that's another story. Okay. Can you just talk quickly about um, what that is? What yes. the movements are and what... Um... So, so at the end, I'll do a quick exercise oh, okay. to introduce you to it, and then I can talk further a little bit about that. Okay. Um, so this awareness helps you to feel safe, for you to see where you stand, and it starts to let you feel safe letting others see where you stand. Um, but if you notice that any of these exercises are too much, um, that, uh, you know, the, even the journaling or anything like that, that would clue you in to knowing that a therapist can be helpful to help you work through that. Some of us, though, haven't gotten to uh, the point of feeling safe to be with or don't know how to access these emotions. And get to Yom Kippur and we haven't been able to forgive others and we haven't been able to forgive ourselves and so then in those cases we can rely on a few things. First of all, um, the Rambam says that everyone is able to be forgiven except Acher, Alicia Benavuya, and that's a whole nother story that I'm not going to get into right now, um, but a person who goes in thinking that he can sin and repent and sin again and repent again they say that he will not get olam haba. He will not get the world to come um, because they, are, they haven't actually taken on the new identity um, in their mind as someone who doesn't do those things, right? But if they falter, but they really tried, that's another story. We all make mistakes. But if you learn how to be honest with yourself and those around you, and if you own up to your mistakes, you at least have a shot of righting your wrongs. Also, the Ibn Ezra points out that fearing God is not only not doing things one shouldn't, but it's also about uh, source number 11, walking in Hashem's ways and doing good. My husband pointed out that Chazal, aka our sages, have taught us that with regards to walking in Hashem's ways, we learn how to emulate Hashem from the Yud Gemomido, Tarachamim, and um, from the 13 divine attributes of Hashem's mercy, which you might recall reciting on the High Holidays. Namely, 
being merciful, being slow to anger, compassionate, gracious, abundant in kindness, truth, forgiver of iniquity, preserver of kindness, forgiver of willful sin and error, etc. So according to the Gemara Rosh Hashanah 17b, these attributes are learned from when Hashem said to Moshe before he gave him the tablets, any time that Israel sins, let them do this before, do this, it's an action, do this before me and I shall forgive them. Okay, so what if you can't achieve all these attributes? What if I can't be like God? It's, it's not about the outcome, the destination. It's not about the destination. It's even in the, the effort and the investment uh, Mizmora 128 reminds us that as you walk along this path towards emulating that which inspires you, ashray, you will find that you can be happy even with that effort of trying to and all that you glean along that path. And if Hashem sees that effort of trying to repair your relationship, he knows that you want to be with him and will aim to meet you there and beyond. And what does davening alongside others do for you? Not only do we have an understanding that we are more likely forgiven when we come together as one, but the fact that we are surrounded by others who are humbly coming to seek forgiveness from Hashem that should help us see in itself how not alone we are in our struggles and that the shame that we feel is something that we can learn how to be comfortable with in order to be able to move forward and show that we have learned from and want to be better instead of continuously beating ourselves up or, or others up over the same things. Not to mention, he's less likely to fire all of us if we come together sincerely as a group, you know. So what does a healthy relationship with forgiveness feel like in our body? When you come to that feeling of, I should be XYZ, or they should be XYZ, see this as an opportunity to say to Hashem, I have done my introspection. I have become aware of how I feel about XYZ, and I am not XYZ yet. I see that they are not XYZ yet, but instead of holding it against myself or against them, instead of, I now understand that these are areas that I can strive to do better. You're not berating them or yourself. You're not fearing God's wrath upon you to the point where you're frozen and hopeless. Rather, you are seeing and praying to Hashem that he sees that you will aim to do and be better and that you can see that path forward. Helping him, and oh, and my husband just told me today that Shuva, this is Shabbos Shuva that we just finished, and it's not Teshuva where like you um, already returned, it's Shuva. You've pointed yourself in a direction. So you're getting to this place now on Shabbos Shuva where you're, you've pointed yourself, you know which direction you want to say, Hashem, okay, this is the direction I'm going. And this is, the, this is where I'm aiming. 
um, helping him to understand why you as an individual shouldn't be fired, so to speak, and you as a collective are sincerely trying to maintain a lasting relationship with him in order to put forth his wonderful message into this world. That's ultimately what he wants us to do. Um, so now if you are up for it, I could do a quick, uh, really quick movement exercise. This is like the tip of the iceberg. Like it's something that you could take with you as a tool to do every day just to start. Um, if you're not comfortable with it, uh, just, you know, don't feel like pressured to do it. Just if it, if it works for you, great. So you could uh, close your eyes or lower your gaze. And we're going to breathe, and I'll just take uh, a minute to explain the breathing. The reason why breathing is important, it's not just this hoagie yoga whatever thing. It actually does have uh, real scientific benefits. Um, it, uh, I know I told you to close your eyes, but you can listen to this part. <laughs> um, um, it, it turns off the fight or flight. It, it turns off that phase where you are stuck in your amygdala, and it it opens the, the rest and digest uh, system and helps you better accept what you're about to do and work on that side. I've seen a 30-point drop in blood pressure within two minutes with my patients when it's related to um, anxiety. Uh, if it's related to blood pressure, it won't go down. They need medicine. <laughs> but, um, okay, now you can close your eyes, lower your gaze. So let's breathe in through our nose. through our mouth, in through our nose, out through our mouth. And I want you to think about uh, something that makes you feel vulnerable. Maybe it's asking someone forgiveness. Maybe it's trying to forgive yourself about something. Maybe it's totally unrelated to forgiveness. Just a situation that makes you feel vulnerable. And you might start to feel something in your body, like a sensation. It might be a buzz kind of feeling. It might be um, a stiffness in your neck. You might feel uh, a, a tenseness in your chest. It might be a vibration of your legs, curling of your toes, a tenseness of your fists, but I want you to invite the first movement that comes to you, not, not, not in your mind, just whatever naturally, not what you think you should do, but whatever naturally you need to do in this moment. And I want you to embody that movement. I want you to act that movement out if you're able to. It could be rolling your shoulders, it could be rolling your neck, it could be um, calm, giving yourself a hug, it could be rubbing your hands together, it could be moving your legs, it could be any of those things. It could be putting your hands to your heart. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Um, and so if 
that spoke to you, like, you know, Minji, I saw immediately, even before I said anything, you knew, like, you're like, I need to release this tension. And so your body really does know how to give you what you need in those moments. Um, and that is a taste of the emotional weight that you carry, kind of identify a taste of how to identify it, a taste of how to move with it, to, to see it, to notice it. The goal, uh, you know, Rebbitson, um, Rifki Block was saying, um, she, she made, I like her suggestion, she said, Every day you should make a kavua time, a set time where you say, okay, this is the time where I'm going to face all the shame, all the depression, all the da, 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 da. And like really, you know, like we're saying, really look at it and then live life. You know, it's like don't, don't let it be taking over, but practice being with it. And, and with movement therapy, the more you practice it, the more you become comfortable seeing yourself in it, safe feeling that way. Um, etc. And if we're not able to to do any of that, uh, my favorite pasuk is so far because I'm only up to 132 um, out of 150. My favorite pasuk in Tehillim so far is in Mizmor 5, Bina Hagigi. I even have a painting. Um, I could show you all because you're here. <laughs> um, and it, it's asking Hashem. I, I don't even know what. I want to say I don't even know what I need to say I don't even know what what's in my heart or what I'm feeling please understand my intention please understand my meditation and and answer me from that place and so um, any questions to cleanse our palates to be able to connect more closely with Hashem, others, and ourselves. May we be able to recognize the barriers and blockages that have been inhibiting us from doing so. May we allow ourselves to be curious and pay attention to ourselves before responding, practicing the pause. The learning and recitation for this week's podcast is in the merit that we are sealed in the book of life. If there is an episode that you would like to sponsor, or if you have any questions, please email me at nursenisa1, N-U-R-S-E-N-I-S-A, the number one, at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to join the Facebook group to be aware of upcoming episodes Please subscribe and share. Thank you for joining.